Hey, Pascal, have you ever thought about riding your bike for 24 hours straight? Um, I have thought about it because there are there are some pretty iconic um, events that last for 24 hours. And as, I, as I've gotten older, kind of the, I start... Uh, start having some interest i'm not saying i'm going to do it but i'm having some interest in this whole ultra endurance uh, space and these crazy challenging uh, rides um so yeah so there's these 24 hour races like you know iconic ones like 24 hours of the old pueblo finale has a 24 hour race and of course in switzerland we we do have a couple of 24 hour races too certainly over the years and uh, yeah so it's always kind of kind of been on the radar how about you well, when I found about found out about the twenty four hours of Schutz, I, I pretty much I, I almost just signed up like automatically as a solo rider. I thought, you know what, this is fucking crazy, and I'm going to and I want to take part. I want to see what this is about. Like you said, twenty four hours old pueblo, reading mountain bike action magazine, seeing Tinker Juarez tear it up. I was all about that, at least as a budding um, mountain bike. Er, or mountain bike learner, let's say. Um, yeah, hearing about that there's one in Switzerland, I just thought, hey, what what are the odds? Uh, let's take the chance, um, see what it's about. I um, really happy I did it. Actually, my body's not so happy. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's the real question. I mean, of course, we are sitting down now. Uh, finish time plus two days. How are you recovering? So let's just preface this first. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just me and you. It was me, you, Yeti, and Otmar. So for a four-man team. Um, I put in about just over five hours total riding time, like race lap time. Um, and I had the least out of the four. The reason being, I went a little bit too quickly on the first lap and pretty much declined every lap after this uh, due to, how do we say, physical inabilities in the lower regions, that being my my quads, calf, inner thigh. I just got serious cramps. I it, it tore me apart, but I tried to keep chugging along. It just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. But we're also starting under the name team pre-cramp um and unfortunately bryson was living up to the name and then some <laughs> yeah well i'm honored to be uh you know mentioned in the team name it's, it's almost like having team bryson <laughs> um yeah i pre-cramped pretty quickly i'd say about my second lap so like actual second lap uh third one was pretty heavy uh and then uh, by the fourth, I was for sure cramping and had to manipulate my riding style in ways that I wouldn't say are efficient or powerful uh, so that I could finish the lap. And um, after I came into the end, I actually had to fight the urge <laughs> to, not to just collapse onto the ground from like crippling <laughs> cramps. Uh, but I'm not, see, the thing is, I'm, I'm not... Um, I'm not a stranger to cramping. Uh, it's been, I've been afflicted, uh, for a very long time. Uh, most notably in, while I played rugby where I could play a whole game and then maybe 10 minutes from the end, both quads would lock up or both, um, 
calves would lock up or maybe on one leg, a calf and a quad. And it's just really awkward to stretch out. You know, you want to stretch your leg straight, but then your calf goes and then you want to do like a kind of like a, a toe raise to stretch the calf, but then your quad goes and I figured out, um, yeah, I just had to kind of work on my strength. Um, and, uh, I, I tried drinking more. However, long story short, it happened again and I tried my best to manage it. However, it wasn't that successful this time. You also had 24 hours to race. So, um, the, the timeline was pretty cramped, so to speak. <laughs> You can't say it that way. I, in the end, I tried to pace myself even further. Um, tried to do a couple more laps. Tried, and then we, and then when we worked out, as well, I would reduce my laps, so I wouldn't. Uh, my frequency wouldn't be four laps every turn. It would be two laps, which actually worked out because by the end of the second lap, I was starting to feel like it was coming on again. And then uh, with the frequency of two and two and two and two, I was able to just work my way into the rest of the race without. Um, being too much of a an anchor for you guys so there you have it we uh did reach out to our uh, listeners and followers on the different social channels for some inputs uh for tonight's debrief recording uh after the 24 hours of shoots and i guess the the most frequent one that we try to answer uh just now is why why on earth would you sign up for a 24-hour race and I guess the simple the simple answer to that is, well, why not? And I think that's the approach that we took. And uh, we, we're I think we were pretty stoked that we managed to get a team of four together. I think four team of four is kind of that happy balance between you know it's a solid effort. You're you know let's say on average you're riding six hours, but on the other hand you do get some some decent rest and it's not like full on twenty four hour slog. So it's kind of it's kind of a nice, nice, happy spot. There were also other team formats. You could do a team of two, up to a team of eight, mixed teams, whichever way you want to do that. Uh, we were a team of four males. And uh, and yeah, I think it was uh, one of those situations where Bryson, Bryson texted me and was like, dude, have you ever done a 24-hour race? And I was like, no. I was like, well, there is this one in shirts. How about that? And it was like, yep, sounds like a terrible idea. Why don't we do that? <laughs> Textbook. And that's the story of many, many, many things and adventures that we've done over the years. And uh, the same it was with this one. Um, we're um, also really stoked that we got some really cool uh, inputs for tonight. And we're trying to, to answer all of those um, as, uh, as efficiently as we can. Um, we have a little bit of a structure um, actually, Felix, uh, dear friend with the six six twelve homemade breaks, um, he has a whole shopping list of questions and an outline. So we're actually going to follow most of that to to lead us through the the debrief for tonight. And then there's some some fun inputs from from other friends of ours. So we'll 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 throw those in at a later at a later stage. So let's start with the questions for Felix. So basically, um, I think we start with the simple ones. Preparation. What did we do? Thinking back, um, yeah, we had some talks. We tried to figure out who would bring what. Uh, Yeti 
Yeti brought his uh, camper van. It's fully equipped. Like he goes bike camping and all stuff with it. So he's going out there. He's got the, the tables. He's got the burners. He's got the chairs. He's got the cutlery. You know, it's fully equipped. Awesome camp situation he's got going on. And a wicked sound system. Um, yeah, I brought uh, brought an extra tent. And then some of us could jump in there and, and take uh, an hour or two or maybe less to two, but to rest up before the next stint. Um, Otmar hooked up with a sweet moto tent, wicked lightings. We all pitched in with some uh, carbohydrate-rich uh, nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> the strategy was, uh, yeah, just keep each other going. I think the nutrition strategy was definitely carbs, 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 carbs. All different um, kinds yeah. at all times and in every format. Stay carby. Um, also stay starchy. Uh, in terms of fitness preparation, I uh, I didn't do anything. And thinking back, I thought, okay, I, I'm probably going to get myself in a little bit of trouble. But I didn't think I would cramp up so much. You know, I thought I would be able to like – I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I have six hours total riding. I think I'm just going to pace myself. Who cares who people pass me? But you know what? When you're in that race situation and you just got all these guys who are like – elbow to elbow and everyone's like gunning for it you kind of just like stick with the pace and sometimes it blows you up and that's particularly what happened to me oh, there you go and that's where i need to jump in with a fun fun tidbit side story right so there's two actual side stories one is bryson took the actual time to pre-ride the course a week out from the race so you know actual preparation not just showing up and hoping for the best the actual preparation you know pre-wrote the course a couple of times had a bit of a challenge to figure out because obviously it wasn't marked at the time and it's kind of through neighborhoods and orchards and fields and all of that trail center and um, but you know he came back said you know send us a little little map different zones okay diff technical difficulties this and that and it was like okay guys I think, you know, the fit guys, maybe 15 minutes, Pascal, maybe a little bit below, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more like 16, 17 minutes. So that was actually, okay, fine. Fair enough. This is actually what it turned out to be eventually. However, what was interesting is that when Bryson went out for his first turn, he's never done an XC race in his life. However, the second he gets into one, he does exactly the same stuff that happens at every single cross-country race where just people go balls out for like the first rat lap of their race, you know, try, you know, whatever it is, just sprint. I need to be in great position. I need to be, you know, first into the single track or whatever it is, blows up spectacularly. He actually did a 14 minute 30 lap in his first turn. <laughs> We were looking at the live results and we're like, oh my God, either he's like, wow, he's on a, on a magical day of fitness or this is not going to end well. And then the second lap was at 15, 10. It's like, okay, well, maybe he's, you know, he's backing it in off a little bit. It's like, ooh, 16, 30. Whoopsie. That's not looking great. And then the fourth lap was, uh, was an 18 minuter, an 18 minuter. And, uh, and then we knew it's like, okay, maybe he went out a little bit too hot. But, uh, but yeah, he did actually do some preparation. And uh, yeah, I mean, joking aside, maybe to finish up the preparation. Um, so yes, we did actually um, consult 
um, other friends that have done 24-hour races, turns out that our most senior and seasoned member of the team, Otmar, he um, already did a 24-hour race uh, 20 years ago, <laughs> as it turned out. Um, but uh, he had some some really um, valuable input. Um, I've consulted some other friends that have quite a bit of experience with 24-hour racing and and they gave some some really good inputs in terms of you know the setup so have enough um sleeping spots have enough uh, kind of a resting lounge obviously always have food um so that's why we had like the camping setup with like pretty much a full kitchen you know with coffee maker we had a big pot of pasta we had fresh bread we had potatoes we had cornflakes we had cakes we had rice some things it was i promised myself to not eat carbs for a week but uh <laughs> unfortunately i haven't made hold on that one um but yeah so i think uh, in terms of preparation our setup was compared to the other ones that were in the rider camp i think it was pretty pretty spot on right yeah well, we look kind of pro compared to some of them actually but then again we were like four dudes who probably spend a lot of time outside and, and have this stuff available to us. And some of the people might just be, they're just simply racers and maybe they don't spend a lot of time doing those other kinds of activities. So they don't really have the, the resource for that stuff. Who knows? In any case, I loved the camp situation we had. That was really cool. We had a sweet vibe going. We could pump some beats when we wanted to. The The PA system was playing uh, apreshi music, which... I don't know, maybe the listeners know that I'm I'm a big fan. And uh, yeah, we could chill. We had four seats. We were like, yeah, one of us was always gone, but we could always like have small chit chat. And it was a lively thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, so it didn't feel at all like I was kind of by myself. It was always like I had at least two buddies beside me um, to chat with or like talk about strategy or talk about how your race was or funny thing that happened on the course or what course changes happened. So it was really cool. It was like, it's just like going camping with buddies with like occasional bike ride. Absolutely. Maybe we should also discuss, you know, the general setup of the race. I mean, just to lay out for the listener, how this actually happens. So there is a fixed course for this race. In this instance, it was a 5.5 kilometer loop. Um, roughly 70 meters of climbing per lap um you know it was a very i would say it was a varied course like typical swiss i would say cross-country racing if you've done some cross-country racing over the years this is kind of a typical cross-country racing course so it's a good mixture of like you know trail center some kind of turns and technical features in a in a, in a gravel pit uh you know some gravel roads there is grass descent grass to open grass Slalom. descent fresh fresh yeah. cut open grass descent um which was made made a lot of sense when it, while it was still dry and not so much when it was really bucketing down but you know that's what it is um so yeah so there's you know wood bridges passovers um the whole the whole deal so you know kind of kind of uh you know what are you used to when you may do the odd uh, cross-country race um then <clears throat> there was a designated uh transition zone where you would swap between the different riders um how they handled it it was um 
two logs at the entry and at the exit of the transition zone. You were allowed to leave the transition zone as the next rider once the previous rider or the finishing rider had come over the log or lifted his bike over the log, then you were allowed to go. They would do some random checks in terms of the timing that this was actually correct and happening as uh, as such. Um, and uh, and then there was the the rider camp, which was um, for the teams. It was a little bit further away than it was for the single riders. The solo riders, they obviously, depending on their on their setup with support and stuff like that, they 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 needed to have easier access to, to their camps. And I think that's why they were set up pretty close to the transition zone or the entry entry exit zone of the of the course. And the rider camp uh, for us was a bit maybe like a two three minute ride away from the transition zone, but still along the course. So you could always nip in and out of. Uh, of the course, uh, you know, keeping contact and communication with the other riders and exchange notes and ideas, um, be it to strategy, nutrition, courses on, you know, change courses and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so it was actually, actually pretty neat. And the rest of the race is pretty simple. You know, it starts on Saturday at two o'clock and it finishes at Sunday at two o'clock and whoever does the most laps has won the race. In terms of strategy, you already alluded to it. We did gun for a four laps per turn per rider, um, so roughly um, an hour per per time you're up for uh, riding. Um, you know, it's been suggested to do quicker turns. I guess people and teams that uh, wanted to. Um, you know, be in the first spots and, uh, and you know, had some more experience and, and wanted to, to really go for a result. Uh, they did much faster turns, so maybe like two laps or one lap even in some instances. Um, somehow for us, the four-lap format worked out pretty nicely. I mean, that gives uh, the rest of the team uh, two and a half, three hours to, to rest uh, between turns, which, which was actually quite nice. Um, especially seeing that the, the weather deteriorated quite a bit uh, early in the morning on Sunday, um, just in terms of uh, <laughs> fresh kids and, uh, and you know, actually getting out of wet, dirty clothes and warming up and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, overall, I think I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty happy with the four-lap format. I guess if I had to really, really push, then I would have preferred um, like a three-lap turn but uh for for the pace that we were going i think the four lap one was was pretty pretty fine for for uh, most of us yeah i think it was um you know it's an endurance event so part of this is is physical endurance and then another part is like the psychological endurance and obviously the physical endurance uh part i did not check off but I was also borderline with the the psychological bit. How did you keep yourself motivated? I actually had no no issues whatsoever. I had a a brief moment of not being very happy. Um, my second to last turn on Sunday, um, when the course was really really terrible to ride. It's like just after the big downpour, you know the all the open grass sections. They were super sloppy and slimy. You couldn't keep the power down, and I was still trying to push and 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 kind of keep the pace high and 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 you know keep uh, 
you know, keep pushing forward and keep rolling and try to maintain our position as it was. Um, and then it just uh, started to be very frustrating on the, on those flat grass sections where you just put the power down and then your wheels start slipping or the wheels start wandering because you because it was like tire deep mud and um and you know you couldn't see the ruts underneath and then all of a sudden you would hit the rock and then you would get offline again and all that sort of stuff and it was just frustrating um if for brief moments and then i just uh you know what I always did for the entire race is just uh, focusing on, on on the effort and focusing on what's coming up and how do I need to execute and you know I I tend to and that's just my um, my way of approaching these challenges is to to break down these big challenges into smaller chunks and then try to execute on these smaller chunks as good as you can and then one after the other and after the other and after the other and it's like okay so next next one is the the steep climb so here i need to you know make sure i have my shifting done before i roll into the first hairpin turn okay so i'm around the hairpin turn then you know one big push to the first ramp and then the next ramp is a little bit cruisy save some energy and all that sort of stuff so i kind of kept me occupied the entire time um so i never actually had any any issues with wandering thoughts or or um you know, not being motivated and, and not enjoying it or whatever, especially during the night. I was, I was loving this, like marinating in effort. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I really, uh, I really, let's say, adore your your race style. You are a hyper focused uh, individual, um, especially while you're racing. I think some people even uh, commented on one of the the first stories I posted. Um, where you were like sitting basically in the back of the the starting lineup and you're just like staring into space. And I don't know, I don't think you recognize that I like zoomed into you. Uh, so I had some people who were like, what's going on with Pascal? <laughs> I'm just like, he's focused, man. <laughs> um, staring, I'm staring into the darkness and I'm starting <laughs> to see things. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I mean, you saw my you saw my first turn. It was magical. We were in third place after my first turn. <laughs> yeah, but actually, um, on the on the brighter side, there is like subsequent laps where we were taking pictures and videos, and uh, I could see you like sticking your tongue out or like making funny faces as you rode by. We all we were like hooting and hollering, making funny sounds, and all that stuff. So it was like it wasn't always a serious effort. We realized that hey, you know, like we can still have fun. We are riding our bikes after all. And exactly. we're just a group of four goofballs who like ride their bikes and are doing it for like a ridiculous reason for 24 hours. So why not? <laughs> exactly. No, I was actually, I was, I mean, joking aside, I did try, uh, I did want to, 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 to really go for, for the first lap. I mean, I was joking with Yeti for like the last two weeks that I'm going to go for the hot lap and just like completely blitzed the first lap and then take and then take it easy but uh but yeah there was a neutralized start which was actually helping me quite a bit and i moved up the field you know that's just experience you have from from doing i don't know how many hundred race days in my life um just moving up the field and kind of moving around and moving myself into position and then it's just i ran out of road to actually get to the first group and then it was once you were on the course and with like the, the narrow sections, you couldn't pass anymore and then mm-hmm. it was kind of over. But, uh, but yeah, I gave it a good effort and, 
and I think we were we're still in a good position after after the first uh, the first few laps. Yeah, and to answer Felix's question for myself, I I didn't have any problems staying motivated on track. Um, actually, I think of myself like when I ride. If I think back about other times that I've like ridden on group rides or like things like this, where you're riding in like a smaller location. So, for example, my home track was a or my home forest, let's say, was like a smaller area. And we, we would recycle a lot of loops, but like combine them with other ones to kind of essentially make like longer or more varied um, loops. And sometimes it just felt like kind of a NASCAR, but I, I like that because um, you do the loop repetitively and f- somehow my mind just clicks with it that you can just like think about two you know, on the next lap, I'm going to do that differently. And then on the next lap, I'm going to do that differently. And then you reach the next point and you think, okay, I did that the way I thought I would, but actually on the next lap, I'm going to do it differently than the first two times I did it. And then, so, so that actually, I find a lot of interest in, um, as well as, uh, like on the spot strategic thinking. So for example, I have someone who caught up to me on the climb, but I know that if I don't put some distance, uh, between us that he, he will catch me before the down. And then if he passes me before the down, then I'm going to be riding behind him the whole way. And I won't be able to like get a good, it's not about me passing people, but I want to make sure that I'm actually focused on like being able to do a good time for myself. And what that means is like capitalizing on where I have, um, where I have like positive points, for example, I'm a decent descender. So a lot of the times I'd, um, I'd get passed by a, a hardtail rider and on the descent, he'd really like take it cautiously down where I'd be like shifting my weight. I'd be like on my hips. I'd be taking the side route on the, the grass slalom where I knew it was drier. And then I'd cut across the wet part and take a hard turn again so that I could like get down this descent as fast as possible. And then when it came time to where like the grass transitioned onto like a kind of a road then i would like shift all the way up my gear range and put a couple big power strokes in before i'm in that tuck zone so i could be at least up to like almost full speed before i tuck because i know that i would get more out of a tuck than if i were to like kind of big gear cruise down that lane which a lot of guys were trying to do and i would just pass them in a tuck so having those strategies and thinking them through while racing also kept me very motivated, especially like while I was on the bike, not so much while I was sitting on the lawn chair back in camp, but while I was on it, like my mind was turned on. I was always thinking, okay, this is what I got to do. Even if I know he's going to pass me again on the, on the flat, I just need to make sure I do this so I can max or minimize my race time where I can. Yeah. No, that's actually a good point, right? Because, uh, I think people make this out as it's a it's like a 24-hour effort and it's kind of more or less isolated and you're by yourself and this and that but it's uh what do you have to remember there's a uh, I think there was over 100 teams on course uh or in the race or solo riders and teams it was over 100 riders um so at any moment in time there was 100 riders out on course so during during the race, there's also a lot of um, like race dynamics in terms of like you know passing other riders, um, you know riders with problems, crashes, 
um, especially during the night, there was, um, um, you know, it was quite challenging in some instances when, uh, you know, people were, you know, already not as confident on downhills. And then you add the element of, okay, it's dark and they, you know, they run out of battery on their lights or whatever it is. And there's another guy behind them with like a big Cree 8,000 Lux um, headlamp or whatever that literally burns a laser beam through the forest and they're getting confused by that or, or, or whatever it is. Right. And you always need to react. And it's not like it's a, a 24 hour time trial and, and that's you only marinating in your, in your effort. Um, it's, you know, you also need to react. Um, there's, uh, the weather was to be taken into account, right? So it was actually, as it goes, I think until about six in the morning on Sunday, it was perfect bike racing weather. It was, you know, okay is warm, not too hot. It was a little bit windy. There was an odd sprinkle of rain for maybe like two minutes every single time it rained for a little bit. So you're never getting too hot. The course was actually such that you wouldn't get too hot in terms of, you know, you didn't have these 20-minute efforts or big climbs or any of that. It was, you know, you had short, sharp efforts, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes, and then it was you, you, there was a either a little downhill or a little flat section or crosswind or whatever that would cool you down again. But uh, but yeah, so that uh, you know these these dynamics. Um, they also keep the the race entertaining over the the entire 24 hours and actually the course changed a lot and the race organization they had to make adaptions to the course as well during the race why because of how it deteriorated how the the track changed because of the rain and and all these kind of things so for example they had to make extra turns before a wood bridge so people wouldn't come onto that bridge too fast they had to put in extra carpets so that you wouldn't slip on these wood bridges and stuff like that. So, and, and that constantly changes the course and every single, you know, every single lap, right? So there's, you have or a single turn every two, three hours, uh, something has changed in course. And the first lap you would spend on figuring out what has actually changed. Is it still the same? How's the grip? How is, you know, is the, the marking still the same, et cetera? It reminds me of sort of like a Le Mans where you have, yeah, just hundreds of teens and different classes. The major difference is that um, these teams don't work in relay in Le Mans. They're like individual cars trying to complete all the laps. And if one team has three cars, then all three cars are on the, on the, on the track. Um, and what makes it very interesting is that, for example, I'm trying to do a climb and there's a guy in front of me who he's a soloist. And so he's on his easiest gear He's really in it for the long game. And yes, he will move, he will move over when you call out, I'm on your left. Um, but he's just, he's there slow and steady. I need to put the laps in. He knows his game plan. And then you have on the opposite side of the spectrum, the guys on the, the eight team, let's say, and they are like club racers, basically. They're all there and they're all taking one lap turns and they're going sprint laps one after another. And they're all doing consecutively fast uh, lap times and they're coming up behind you. And of course, like if someone's coming up behind me, I'm going to give way. But if you, for some reason, like catch them for some odd reason, whatever, maybe they got caught up in a, up behind a slower rider and you catch up right behind them. You don't know 
that the next after the next turn they pass that they're going to go all for it and you think ah this is now the race pace and you 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 slot in right behind them and all of a sudden you're like redlining <laughs> <laughs> i speak from experience here <laughs> that, that that's the, that's a dyna- that's an order of the dynamics that really you need to you need to look out for cuz you you don't know you don't know the guy who's coming behind you. You don't know if he's in the same four-man team as you. And you think, oh, no, he's my direct competitor. I have to hold my line or defend or anything like that. Like, that's totally not the case. So it's also something to think about. Oh, absolutely. And also, I mean, we just have to say it. Kudos to those uh, solo riders. I mean, Big those time. are some deep, deep efforts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those guys, like, you know, Sunday morning, especially during during the heavy rain phase, They've been going for, you know, a long time already. They're like deep in the cave and it's, it's just, they just keep crushing out their laps and it's like grinding, you know, they were like not very fast anymore at this stage. And I guess they're, they're already a little bit cross-eyed and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, they still got the job done and, uh, it was, uh, it was quite something to see. Pascal on lap one, I saw one of the soloists running with his bike and I saw him run two laps before he decided to stop and change or fix his tire. At the very start of the race, it's so heartbreaking. But hey, he had a, he had a strategy, I guess, and he decided, okay, I'm gonna like keep keep with this, stay warm, take advantage of how good the track condition is that I can mm-hmm. run it, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned hardtails. Uh, there was uh, many a flavor of bicycle out on course. We have to say. Um, we did bring a, I would say a cross section between small, small down country bike, I guess is what you call it these days to, uh, to trail bikes, to, to, um, anorexic, uh, enduro bikes. Um, and it was uh, actually perfectly fine. I mean, you could see quite a bit of different, uh, equipment out on, on the course. I mean, I guess there is a lot of um let's say ski club teams or whatever they do like this one race a year and not i mean not judging or anything it's just like they run what they brung and uh you know that's uh that's how you do it and that's how you get it done but there were some very interesting bikes like including kickstands and fenders and uh and and really really old material but obviously that that all still works perfectly fine um of course there was the odd very nice race bike around we have to say um but also you know there was we were not the only ones on an enduro bike there was an entire team i saw that was an enduro bikes too uh they didn't even change tires what uh what kind of changes did you make for for your bike uh, i threw some cross-country spec let's say tires on so low profile really high um or low rolling resistance i should say Made them tubeless because previously my trail bike was set up with tubes. That was it, actually. Just cleaned the chain. Oh, I did take apart the headset. It was a little bit gummy, so I just refreshed the grease in there. And just put some WD-40 in there. Yeah, just pretty much drenched it. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, you know, just some simple bike prep. It's 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 the smart thing just to put a to cross-country tire on. It's a cross-country race. You put a cross-country tire on. Um, it, you really don't need the traction um unless it gets really sloppy like you said but uh there are ways you could mitigate um yeah 
some of the stuff by just choosing your different line or going a little bit slower or being a little bit more mindful with your, your pedal strokes for traction. Yeah, it works itself out. But the efficiency you gain from the tires is massive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just, uh, you know, I, on my on my enduro bike, I normally run inserts and uh, and pretty sturdy tires. And just by swapping to some uh, some semi slicks, um, you know, I took off what is it two point two point something kilos off my bike. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's 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 you know, looking at the course, it was like the no brainer. And you know, looking back out of the 24 hours uh for 22 of those hours you would make significant gains by rolling with uh cross-country tires or semi-slicks or whatever you want to call it and uh, and not having to accelerate big heavy tires out of you know sharp turns and and steep climbs and and all that sort of stuff so um i think that would have been the the main change i would have done to any bike um i don't have a light cross-country bike at my disposal at the moment so i just ran my normal enduro bike put some extra air in the suspension to make it more light (laughs) 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 well i effectively effectively i I ran it with half the travel (laughs) and uh yeah but it was it worked out perfectly fine i mean my my hands were getting a bit uh a bit sore towards the end just because the, the fork was obviously quite stiff but uh but apart from that, it was uh, it was perfectly fine. And you had the added advantage of riding a bike that you know. Yeah, totally. Um, other equipment, I guess, um, what uh, really makes sense is to bring all the bike kits that you have, um, especially if you have a very changeable um, uh, forecast, uh, as we had. Uh, I think I brought six or seven different sets of kit. Um, in the end, used four, I guess. Um, but the... Um, uh, with with the uh, with with rain on the forecast, etc. I think it's smart to be changing clothes every single turn if you can. Um, certainly, you know, keep clean. That's uh, certainly a, a very important tip. And uh, what was a challenge for us on Sunday morning was trying to keep warm, because uh, it was actually quite warm during the night. You know, I checked around two, three in the morning. It was still like sixteen degrees, but then on uh, early in the morning, the wind changed. And then temperatures dropped below 10 degrees and then it was getting, especially with the wet and the wind and it was getting really tough to, to stay warm. Um, and yeah, um, I'm glad I brought my puffy coat and hat and fleece and long pants and woolly socks and, and all that sort of stuff. What other uh, equipment uh, choices did you make? Or were you happy that you brought or what did you miss? Uh, what I definitely missed was um, I have a I have a massage gun, and uh, I mean I bought it to share share with my better half, and um, you know once in a while we use it. But it's uh, I saw some other teams have it, and I thought, yeah, actually this might have helped me recover a little bit better from that cramp or that lower body lower body impedance impedance as I like to call it. Um, and I actually tried to use it uh, after I came home, but. Yeah, my legs are still done. <laughs> just just way overcooked. <laughs> um, so that would probably be a piece of tech that I would bring next time. Actually, it will be a piece of tech that I bring next time. Yeah, I followed, as you said, I, I brought uh, plenty of clothes. I used half of it, let's say, um, just because my frequency of riding was actually less than I expected, mostly due to that. Um, 
I was prepared for the cold. That was no problem. Prepared for the rain. That was no problem. And actually it's a welcome addition. I felt that it gave us a little bit of extra challenge and I could see in some people's eyes that, you know, because the first day, the first, the day was like so sweet and then it started to turn. I think a lot of the the feelings just across the entire race course was just like, ah, dang, like it was so nice. And now it's like probably the worst condition you can ask for, like sideways rain, heavy rain, then light rain, then heavy rain. And then it's, and then, and then the wind on and off. And, um, but actually like, you know, like you've seen me before, like I like the wind, I like the rain, I like the cold. And for me, it was a treat. I, I, I like not being hot. That's the major thing. But also I found it really cool how it changed the track so much because they added water. Then you have all the grass getting destroyed. And then you have, yeah, the, the, um, the, the flat parts that get muddier, basically, like the grass goes away and just becomes mud. And I think it's cool because it gives this other element. You get this, 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 this element of like having to learn a new, a new track and may, and I thought, okay, maybe that gives me an advantage because I'm, I'm open to learning the conditions as they change and I'm not expecting them to be always great. I'm not expecting my performance to be extra special. So maybe that change gives me somehow an advantage. I don't know. But anyways, I found it very interesting, especially the downhill grass slalom, especially the fighting the cramps, because as you get stuck in the mud, it's another little force on your muscles, right? You're not just like trying to pump your legs, but it like the, 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 you know, the bike's trying to pump you now. So yeah, um, that was, that was a nice, that was a nice touch, even though it was like not that great. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, did you, or actually Felix wants to ask you, did you have any strange thoughts while riding? No, not really. I mean, it actually all, for me, it was, uh, I mean, I didn't have a plan per se because I, I, you know, I don't have any prior experience to go by. So my personal strategy was to, you know, ride a decent pace that I know I can sustain. I want to be consistent. So I don't want to, you know, have like always super fast first laps and then completely collapse um so i wanted to keep the the pace consistent throughout every single turn so maybe you know maybe 20 30 seconds of difference between the laps um you know which obviously sometimes there is traffic and you get caught behind and you need to wait and all that sort of stuff that that happens but overall i wanted to keep the effort certainly for my sensation i want to keep the, the effort uh consistent no as i said earlier i mean the only the only time i had like this is not not great was when when uh, you know sunday morning when it, when it started raining actually i uh, prior to that i had like probably the the nicest the nicest turn of all which is uh, the one that uh, happens just as the sun starts peeking over the mm. the horizon so when you know as they always say as the saying goes right it's uh, it's always darkest before dawn and mm -hmm. uh, i can i can attest to that <laughs> that this is actually true and it uh, you know I, I thought about this as i was writing and it was like huh is this now is this really now what they're saying because now it's like dang it's like pitch black and you can just see the lights moving around the course and distance and obviously you see your own light and uh, and you're focused on your effort and then all of a sudden like the next lap 
all of a sudden you see that glimmer of light coming uh from the east and then and then the next lap it's it's getting brighter again and so there's this nice blue sky and mm-hmm. so that was really really a lovely a lovely moment and uh and then unfortunately <laughs> the next turn it was a was the heavens a pretty, opened pretty pretty complete uh washout and i think otmar who went right after me he even started his turn without a raincoat and he was caught in the worst downpour of the entire 24-hour period yeah, yeah and it was pretty that was pretty terrible yeah it was like short of flood it was really bad did you have any strange thoughts i didn't i had a little bit of a hiatus because of my cramp we decided to take an extra little longer break for me when i got out it was about 2 a.m or somewhere around there and it was really cool to do a night ride again because i haven't done night riding in a long time and i used to do it religiously back in canada um I mean, when it was winter months, let's say, not during, not so much during the summer, because you know you get enough riding in during the day. But uh, it was, it was a great feeling, and I used to love riding at night, and it was really cool. You see, like the string of lights along the the hillside and up along in front of you, and all that stuff. So it was that was a really cool moment, and I did see like a little sliver of light at the very far end. But maybe that was even just like another event going on over the side of the hill who knows maybe it was a farmhouse that the lights on any in any aliens the aliens are coming after all true in any case um i didn't have like strange thoughts but i did have a song riding through my head all the time and that is probably not well known but it's uh i i listened to like a random playlist on spotify called sheeped andas and there's a song called Rüdiger by the Holy Santa Barbara. And it just has like this like tribal beat. It's like boom, tsuga, boom, tsuga. And that just went through my head. And the, the lyrics are uh, Rüdiger Nixotif. And translated is, I don't, I guess Rüdiger is his name, but don't go so deep. <laughs> and that's fairly much what was in my mind. The whole rest of the ride was like, Bryson, calm yourself. Don't go so deep, ride at your level, ride at where you can f- make sure you're not cramping at the end of number two. But I guess uh, Felix also wants to know, any regrets? Yeah, for myself, obviously going too deep on the first lap. <laughs> um, other than that, no. What were you? No, no, me, for me neither. I mean, it was... Uh, it was uh... It was really the, I guess the the, the cool experience that uh, that we set out to have, and uh, I guess the only thing, because because people have to know this is kind of like the annual big event in that village or town, and uh, so it's like big festival. There's like music. There's you know the festival food trucks main area street food festival. Um, you know, there's music pumping pretty much all the way through the night. I think there was like a dance or something like that. There was, yeah, there was like a party kind of rock group or rap group or whatever it was. It was playing in the local gym or whatever. Flying metal was there. They're doing a show. Flying metal was there. That's cool. There was a, you know, a party tent out on the course, which is like so random, but I think these things, they, you know, if I think back to, you know, breaking down the course into, into uh you know little segments and and focusing on the on those efforts and then you know it was always on that 
longish climb towards that party tent it was always like okay so you know push into the party tent then there's the beat going and then stay with the beat and then push through and all that sort of stuff so it was cool to have that variety out on course right because even in the middle of the night it's you know when when you're just there all by yourself in some instances and it's you know you know let your mind wander for a second every once in a while and then you're like okay that those kind of things they bring you back into it and it's like okay now i'm here now that next thing is this and then 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 you focus you're focused again so i thought that was that's really cool and really helpful and i guess those guys they must have been going hard they're the real heroes here they're the real they heroes. partied the whole time that we rode <laughs> like that's and harder actually they only they only packed <laughs> I took it in breaks. Like, <laughs> when it rained sideways on sunday morning that's when they packed in the tent because i think they were worried about their sound system <laughs> yeah true yeah that was really cool yeah kudos to them too they kept so it going. i guess in terms of regrets i guess the the the, the only regret overall is that uh, you know when we set out to to go to this event we were thinking of like okay you mingle with the other teams you you have a little bit of banter between the between the different camps maybe you go get to to see a show or whatever but uh, i guess we figured out pretty quickly that uh, you know this this uh, this effort uh, requires our full attention and dedication and there is no no time for you know partaking at the festival or mingling too much or or you know creating recording or whatever that we set out to do during the day but uh we we, we packed that in pretty quickly and gave it a give it a full effort for the race mm. yeah but it sounds like you you have a regret and that's you you wrote too hard and didn't party hard enough <laughs> one for the next well, one huh? yeah maybe for the next one but um but yeah no it was uh it was cool and i thought it was a really really nice touch um sunday you know whatever an hour before the race end when the race director came around the the entire camp to you know check in on everyone it's like you know have you you know are you having a good time any problems this and that shaking your hand kind of it was a it was a really nice touch mm-hmm and you know, overall, the the entire festival was like, or the entire race was uh, was organized really, really well. I mean, they had they had their stuff together, that's for sure. And absolutely worth doing again, or for the first time. Oh, for let's not for let's not go too fast. Oh, let's oh, not okay. <laughs> let's not go too fast because uh, Felix he has one more. Ah. he has one more, and I guess we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna abbreviate it because we're uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna translate it loosely and abbreviate it slightly. Uh, he wants to know what was the first the first thing that we did when we finished, and uh, yeah, so he was wondering if we went straight to the toilet. Let's that was putting it mildly. <laughs> so, what was the first thing you did after the race? Uh, what did I do? Um, well, we I was second last, and then I handed it off to you. Then you put it in a quick three. And basically, I came back to the camp after my stint, um, changed my clothes, kind of gathered stuff quickly, had already washed my bike. Then the, the three of us, uh, so uh, Otmar, Yeti, and I went to the finish line, saw you come across. Um, I think that's what I did. Uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty anticlimactic, yeah. actually. Because we all we all had our, our things to get to, so I had to drive to get my kids, and 
and I'll drive to Basel and then back to Zurich, and which is obviously a great experience with zero a t- grand total of zero sleep in the last uh, twenty four hours. Yeah, was and uh, Yeti and Otmar they needed to get home. You needed to get home. So it's kind of we we packed up pretty quickly, and and then that was it. There you go. That's one of the regrets. I regret we didn't just hang out for a little bit later. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this the the whole atmosphere and mood didn't lend to it. So, but maybe it's something you can plan to the next time. I guess everyone was just was just pretty done with the, yeah. the entire thing. Yeah, and wanted to get home. So yeah. that's yeah, I that's guess. that's a big part of it. It's kind of yeah. like yeah, we're we 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 made it. We did this. What do we do now? I guess we go back to our normal lives. Yeah. After such an outrageous, you know, effort. Yeah. Sure, makes sense. All right, cool. Right, so then we have also we have some other inputs, uh, obviously a bit more funny ones. Um, so Ollie, he wants to know, Bryson, did you hallucinate and see Pascal offering a bag of Haribos, only to find out that you were talking to a tree? Uh, short answer: Yes. Thank you, Ollie, for asking. How about you, Pascal? Did you see yourself offering a bag of Haribos? Well, I did bring a bag of Haribos. Uh, but it was uh, all just sitting, just sitting back in camp. No, I think uh, I think the um, coming to the hallucinations. I think the uh, the key difference with this event compared to um, some some more of the ultra events, like in the running space or also the cycling and bikepacking space and stuff like that, is that it's not a continuous effort, right? So it's not uh colorado trail where you're going for four days non-stop hopefully or it's not uh you know some of those crazy trail runs the hundred milers or whatever it is you're where, where you you know non-stop running for i don't know how many hours even and there people obviously they start hallucinating and seeing things and which is obviously very can be very very dangerous um, certainly in the high alpine and and in the, in the wild the wilderness, uh, but in this instance where you know, I guess the longest turn that I have done is uh, was the first one, which is an hour five, I think, and uh, so yeah, so the, the longest I've been out is roughly an hour. The longest uh, the other guys have been out is also an hour, an hour fifteen, maybe an hour twenty in some instances when it was really wet. Um, so you always. You always have effort break, effort break, effort break. So, and then even you know, we had the suite set up with the, the dedicated sleeping tent or the cramping tent, as it was first known, and then it progressed to the farting tent. <laughs> we leave that for another day. Um, you know, you, you could actually lie down and get you know, close your eyes and try to zone out for a little bit. So that actually helps, right? So, but uh, so yeah, in terms of hallucinations, unfortunately, nothing crazy to report. And then Yeti, of course, he was there, but I guess he lost track. I have he to ask to this know. one to you, though. This, yeah. I don't think this question is for me. I think this was for you. Uh-huh. So, so Pascal, Yeti wants to know how much cramping actually happened. <laughs> well, I can from from myself. I have to say it was zero. I know oh. from you there was quite a lot, um, and I think. And uh, okay, maybe one one funny one one more funny tidbit and experience from from the day. So we can talk about the cramping tent. We can okay, talk okay. about the cramping tent, <laughs> and the 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 cramping tent uh, came to its name because Bryson, after his mega effort, 
where he nearly put himself into a crampoma, um, he retreated to his tent to lie down and find some magical fitness and muscle tension or a lack thereof, let's put it that way, to continue on with the day. But unfortunately, it turns out that he cramped so hard that he couldn't actually get off the ground anymore. And when we called him to say, hey, Bryson, it's you know time for your turn. You know, you, you should get ready. You should come, come out of the tent. And he was just like, I can't, I'm cramping. <laughs> and that's when we quickly had to had to adapt the, the strategy slightly because you were literally stuck in that tent oh. cramping for two hours <laughs> and could not move. Yeah, that's rough. Um, which was which is pretty rough. I don't wish but that on worst con- enemy. It continued to be the cramped tent because Otmar, who until that stage have not has not had any issues with cramps, he went for a lie down at the in the tent, and then when he tried to get up, he started cramping too. Um, so yeah, so therefore, I enough, that I just left it in there. That's why. Uh, that's why it is the, <laughs> the cramping tent. <laughs> but yeah, for me, zero cramping. I guess Otmar just uh, this one cramp when he was in the tent. So it's all on you, yeah, Mister Mister Cramponia. So to answer your question, I could answer it based on hours of cramping. I could es- I could answer it based on uh, number of areas or muscle groups cramping. Let's give it as an hour estimate and a muscle group estimate. Oh, oh well, I'd say about twenty-two hours. I cramped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one and a half hours of pre-cramp. Yeah, and okay. uh, yeah. So that leaves half an hour of not cramping. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good going. Um, and then uh, it's been what more than forty-eight hours since our race, so about that of post cramping. Okay, that's a solid effort, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I went all out. It's it's. Mm. And then, and in terms of muscle groups, uh, calf. Um, I guess lower or no, I'd say the full quad. I'd say it was really concentrated above the knee on my quads, um, but the entire quad is sore. Um, the full calf is sore. It's they're really tender. They feel like jelly, and then like the inner thigh area. So, as I, I mean, I've already said this before, but I'll recap. At some stage in the race, actually at several stages in the race, all these groups that I've named cramped at the same time while cycling. Yeah, which is you would think oh. that's nearly impossible, but you managed to do the impossible. And my feet. So I guess the soles are the ones that cramped. I don't know if there's like a muscle there or whatever, but that's how, that's what it felt like where the, my foot wants to like bend and collapse on itself, like towards the ground. Yeah. So four, four spots all the same time on the same bike ride. If there's any medical professionals listening that can help with cramps and have any experience with treating cramps, I know a very, very happy customer that will love your services. Hit up Bryson. <laughs> I forgot one more, Pascal. So at one point in the race, um, when it was getting sloppy, so I guess it was uh, towards like the next morning, um, there was talk in the camp about how like um, it's possible to sometimes like squirt water water on your drivetrain to like clear some of the muck that might have accumulated. Yeah. So after one of like the double track sections of the course where I started to feel a little bit crunchy, I just reached down for my bottle, just swung it, swung the bottle back behind me, 
you know, took a quick look. So I aimed properly and, and shot it onto my cassette. And I just was, I was uh, spinning basically at this point to try to get as much water contact as possible. And as I did this, the, um, I don't know, maybe you can see on the camera and you can tell me what that is, but like this area of like under Tissimus Dorsey. Yeah. This cramped yeah. On, on the, wow. on the right side that I was holding my bottle. So, Oh wow. Yeah. Crazy. And I had to like swing my arm back around and like stretch while pedaling on the bike. <laughs> um, it was awkward, Crazy but I, I, I snapped out of it pretty quick. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. There we go. That could have thrown me okay. off the bike. All right. Then we only have one final question and we're going to use that to close it out. So Bryson, was it worth it? And would you have said something differently at 12 hours into the race? Would I have said something differently 12 hours into the race? Um, so 12 hours, 2 a.m. I was actually really pumped because at this point I'd finally relaxed enough to get back on the bike. And I had that really nice night ride. So I was just totally stoked again um, to overcome that pain and suffering and then to actually have the pleasure of riding the bike and also to ride it at night. Because actually I was looking – out of all the entire bike ride, I was looking forward to the nighttime because I knew it would be obviously cooler. And I also have a, a particularly bright light, which would gain me an advantage. But also riding in the dark doesn't bother me at all. So even if I had okay. like so, just so people know, flight control from Zurich Airport, they called into a Race HQ oh. to ask what's going on with that eight eight thousand lux lamp that is uh, burning fire <laughs> fire balls into the into the woods in this area. That's how bright Bryson's lamp was. Shit is on fire! Oh no, sorry, it's just a racer. <laughs> Absolutely, it was worth it. Um, I want to do it again. I'm even think I'm even thinking maybe I do a two team or a solo. Like I am stoked on it. I got I have 24 hour shits fever. What about you? Yeah, I thought is yeah, I totally thought it was worth it. It was a it was a great experience. Um, it would probably be interesting to do um, another um, you know other venue, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, the obviously the old pueblo. It's obviously a bit of a trek for us, but uh, that has some some allure. Um, I guess finale could be quite a spicy twenty four hour race. That's up your alley. Uh, the the uh, depending on uh, on where it is, but uh, but yeah. So let's see. I mean, it uh, yeah, it is uh, it is uh, quite an effort, but uh, you know, with some some planning and preparation, and uh, I think despite our lack of experience i think we we put some some decent thought into it and uh prepared as good as we could and i think our preparation was maybe 95 percent on point rightfully said and with that i think we wrap up for the night if you have uh any more questions or inputs for our uh experience at the 24-hour race and shoots let us know Spotify has some cool commenting functions now. You can also shoot us a DM on our socials or just an email on the website. As always, you find that in the description of this episode. And with that, we say good night and uh, talk to you the next time. Let us know if you want to race 24 hours with us. Ciao. Ciao. Dude, I can barely walk. I look like an idiot. 
Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast, and it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers. 